to the news magazine on the America Out Loud Network. I'm Alana Friedman, and this is The Friedman Report. Well, my friends, welcome to the show in one of the most interesting and puzzling and terrifying weeks in American history. These are unusual times, to say the least. These are dangerous times, and we are just at the beginning. There is a lot of talk about the riot in the Capitol, the silencing of conservative speech by Facebook and Twitter and others, the canceling of a free speech forum called Parler because it was not restrictive enough, the withdrawal of business from President Trump by major banks and corporations, and much more. And all of it points to the direction in which we are going, and it's all bad. By far the biggest story was the second impeachment, the drive-through re-impeachment that took place in the halls of Congress against President Donald Trump, where they rushed through one article of impeachment against Trump for what they called the crime of incitement of insurrection. It was all accomplished in a single session. It took only seven hours, the fastest impeachment in American history. And the only time a president was impeached twice during his term of office. This was a terrible travesty of justice and an affront to our Constitution, which was completely ignored. Do you remember the last time the House impeached the president? The process began on September 24, 2019, and finally ended with two articles of impeachment on December 18th. That process took nearly two whole months, but the Democrats' second impeachment took only seven hours. Nancy Pelosi had no difficulty explaining the rush. She said, quote, we know that the president of the United States incited this insurrection, this armed rebellion against our common country. He must go. He is a clear and present danger to the nation that we all love. Well, we all know that's rubbish because the only thing she loves is herself, her power, and the money that keeps her in designer masks and ice cream. But the power that she holds is real. And it was in full play on Wednesday when every single Democrat marched in lockstep to her drumbeat and voted for impeachment. Nancy Pelosi is not just a bad influence. It is she who is a clear and present danger to the nation we all love because she has no respect for the Constitution, which she is more than willing to trash if it suits her needs, as we all saw on January 13th. By Pushing through her drive-by impeachment, she deprived President Trump of due process of law so that he could defend himself against the accusations. Anyone who reads his speech, the one he gave on January 6th, with a clear and fair eye, will see that nowhere did he say anything that would encourage insurrection. Quite the opposite. He commended them this crowd of half a million people, to be peaceful and patriotic, as all the crowds at all his rallies have been. And they didn't disappoint him. I'll talk about this more in a bit, but in the face of this absurd rush to judgment, 
without evidence or serious debate or any opportunity to examine the facts, we saw another kangaroo court play out in the halls of Congress at the hands of the Democrats who are already on their way to destroy the constitutional rights and freedoms that we have all taken for granted for the last 240 plus years. No more. We are already losing our right to free speech, guaranteed in the First Amendment. And the Second Amendment will soon be under attack, our right to keep and bear arms. And the Fifth and Eighteenth Amendments guaranteeing due process under the law. And one by one, we will lose the freedoms that we cherish and which have defined America for the last two and a half centuries. Make no mistake, my friends, because January 20th will mark the beginning of the end for our Constitution. We will be a country ruled by one party only, like China and Iran and North Korea. Regulations will be imposed without opposition. Taxes will be applied. Large corporations will rule our lives and tell us what we can say and what we can't say. The courts will no longer offer justice, and our lives will be embittered by the harshness and unfairness of the outcome. And many Republicans, as we have already seen, will be like sheep and follow obediently along, afraid to rock the boat and lose their cushy jobs and whatever power they may still hold. In the last days before January 20th, the frenetic activities of the Democrats, who are doing everything they can think of to disrupt and destroy the last days of the Trump administration, they're happening in a fury of last-minute attacks on the president. It was quite amazing that they think it was so important to tear this president apart even though he had only a few days left in his term. It wasn't justified on any level. This is pure malice on the part of Nancy Pelosi and her camp followers, and their hypocrisy knows no bounds at all. When they drafted their articles of impeachment using terms like insurrection and incitement, although neither of these words applied to the situation that occurred on January 6th, they have totally reversed their positions on riots. Do you remember when the people were rioting last summer in Portland and Seattle and Chicago and Minneapolis and Los Angeles and New York City, when they were burning down whole neighborhoods and destroying the lives and livelihoods of the people who lived and worked there? Nancy Pelosi was asked about this, and she just shrugged her shoulders and said, well, they'll do what they do. But when they thought they had a case against Trump and his supporters after the mayhem in the Capitol, all bets were off, and the first words they could think of were insurrection and impeachment. The Democrats will do just about anything to destroy our president, even though there are only a few days left of his term. Democrat Congressman Connor Lamb stirred the pot some more. He appeared on CNN's New Day, and he said that there was a specific threat to surround the Capitol building with 4,000 armed patriots and prevent any Democrat from going in. He said, quote, we are not negotiating with or reasoning with these people. They have to be prosecuted. They have to be stopped. And unfortunately, that includes the president, which is why he needs to be impeached and removed from office, unquote. The irony is that this is just about as far as it goes. There is not enough time left of his term to hold an impeachment trial in the U.S. Senate, 
And so any trial will have to wait until after the inauguration when Trump will no longer be president. How do you impeach someone who is not in office? The Constitution is very clear. It says, quote, The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors, unquote. In other words, it's not enough just to impeach the president. He has to be convicted. And if he is convicted, then he will be removed from office. It doesn't say past president. So here's my question. What would be the punishment for someone not in office at the time of conviction? It's a ridiculous question to which there is no intelligent answer. And the idea that an impeachment trial is even possible once a president or any other civil officer of the United States, as it says in the Constitution, is no longer in office, seems to me impeachment is off the table. I think it's a sign of the depths of pure hatred that the Democrats have for President Donald Trump, that they are willing to go so far from the dictates of the Constitution to destroy in any way possible the man who has led this country for the past four years. And it is a sign of how deeply in trouble we are as a country that this can even happen. To put it mildly, the country has gone stark raving mad, bonkers, completely nuts, There is no common sense anywhere on the left, but they seem to have all the power and they're taking full advantage of it. Following the events of January 6th at the Capitol, the American left got very self-righteous. Two of the largest monopolies in the cyber world, Facebook and Twitter, who sit firmly and openly in the Democrats' left-wing camp, decided to cancel free speech. And they have done their best to silence the voices of the conservative right. They've come out in full force against the First and Second Amendments in our Bill of Rights. What they are imposing on the American people is censorship at its worst. It's what the Nazis did in the 1930s. They didn't have the internet, so they burned the books they didn't like, books by Jewish authors and books espousing democratic principles like freedom and free speech. And the Russians did it as well. They had harsh punishments for anyone who would speak freely against the government. The internet platforms of Facebook and Twitter and others were ostensibly set up to provide free speech fora for all Americans with access to the internet. And they're now silencing conservative voices and calling it justified. These multi-billionaires have become the arbiters of what is acceptable speech. It is nothing short of Orwellian. One law professor from UC, which is the University of California, Hastings, Drew Emerson is his name. He said, quote, if they, the conservatives, are up in arms because Twitter is only banning information that comes from conservatives, then they can go find new platforms. There's a platform called Parler that some conservatives have moved to, he said. Only, guess what, Amazon, and here's another multi-billion dollar corporation that has decided it's an arbiter of what is decent and so forth. Amazon had been providing uh, the platform for Parler, and they removed it. So they canceled that possibility and shut Parler's voice and the voices of all their conservative members 
they shut it down. And by the way, Professor Emerson missed the point entirely. It's not about what's available. It's about freedom of speech, no matter who is providing the forum. This is America, or it used to be. Everybody has the right to his or her opinion, and no one has the right to deny it. Someone once said that freedom of speech does not give you the right to yell fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire. But that is a far cry from posting an opinion on a website that was built in the first place as a forum for the free expression of ideas. The decisions and judgments about what expressions, what comments are dangerous or inciting, those are highly objective opinions. And these companies have been stretching the boundaries of the definitions of objectionable to the very limits and beyond. And they all depend on the political foundation that these executives, these very wealthy executives, the opinions that they have, that they are now imposing on the people who participate on their forum. What may seem objectionable to a liberal may not be at all objectionable or inciting to a conservative. So who makes the decision in a forum that is supposed to be a platform for sharing ideas and opinions? The targeted moderation by Facebook and Twitter and other high-tech companies have raised concerns over First Amendment rights and the lack of checks and balances on decisions made by high-tech companies. Discussions over limiting or eliminating liability protections under Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act for tech companies that have engaged in censoring or political conduct have been heavily discussed in the past year. Then on January 11th, Facebook announced it was removing all content that contains the phrase, Stop the Steal, ahead of January 20th. Facebook said that it has teams working 24-7 to enforce those policies of canceling the speech of conservatives, who truly believe that the 2020 election was, in fact, fraudulent and that the votes for the president were stolen, voided, or otherwise manipulated to give the election to Biden. This is a legitimate concern, and the actions of companies like Facebook and Twitter, to mention only two, are acts of tyranny and should not be tolerated in a democracy. And YouTube joined the cancel crowd and terminated Steve Bannon's War Room podcast, which, by the way, is one of the top podcasts in the country with more than 27 million downloads. And thousands of people were watching it at the time it was shut down. How much disrespect is that to the customers of your platform? Such behavior wasn't limited to the tech companies, by the way, because then there are the big banks and the other big corporations that jumped on the cancel-free speech bandwagon. J.P. Morgan Chase, the nation's biggest bank, Citigroup, the third largest U.S. bank, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, they're all among the big banks that shut off donations to Republicans who challenged the election results. And major corporations in other sectors are also freezing donations. So far, Marriott, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Boston Scientific, and Commerce Bank shares have said they will stop giving donations to those politicians who challenged and posed objections to the Electoral College vote. So how does a conservative American 
Look at such a state of affairs in the country that is supposed to be the freest in the world. This is nothing less than putting the pressure of the richest, most powerful people in America against individual Americans and lawmakers who represent their local constituencies and vote their consciences as they relate to the Constitution and as they were sworn to do. When large corporations decide that they have the power and the better knowledge to tell us what is appropriate language for our communication with our fellow citizens. This is not okay. This is beyond reprehensible. And it must stop if America is going to remain free. We're going to talk a lot more about this when I come back right after the break. So don't go away. I'll be right back. Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, you were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health. Sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. A little while ago, we were talking about Nancy Pelosi, who decided that President Trump is, as she said, unhinged. Now, if you've been following the Friedman Report, you'll know that, in my opinion, the art of projection is a common theme running through Democrat tactics. And it is hard at work in everything we have seen the Democrats do since January 6th. The art of projection projecting one's own crimes on your opponents, putting your bad deeds on them, claiming that they did, even if they didn't, what you clearly have done. That's projection. And there is no one in government who's better at it than Nancy Pelosi. So at her most unhinged, when she declared it necessary to both impeach President Trump and declare him unfit to serve out his last week in office. She was blaming him 
for things that the Democrats have been doing for a long time. To be brutally frank, it is she who is totally deranged and extremely dangerous because she rules Congress with an iron fist. And make no mistake, Nancy Pelosi is a mean, vindictive, horrible woman. She's not only anxious to see her nemesis, Donald Trump, gone from office and from Washington, she's literally out to destroy him. If she were a whole lot younger, she could be called a mean girl. But as it is, she's just a crotchety, bitter old woman with a lot of hate in her. And here's the thing. As House Speaker, she's a crotchety, bitter old woman with more than a lot of hate. She has a lot of power. And despite her protestations about how much she loves this country, she has little concern for the welfare of America or the American people. And that makes her very dangerous indeed. On January 7th, she called the Joint Chief of Staff's chairman, Mark Milley, and urged him to add extra precautions to stop what she called an unhinged President Trump from using the nuclear codes. I don't know what she thought the president would do, but she seemed quite hysterical about it. She then made a long statement in which she said this, quote, This morning, I spoke to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, to discuss available precautions for preventing an unstable president from initiating military hostilities or accessing the launch codes and ordering a nuclear strike. The situation of this unhinged president could not be more dangerous, and we must do everything we can to protect the American people from his unbalanced assault on our country and our democracy. Unquote. You see what I mean about projection? All of the words that she used to describe the president apply to her. Well, General Milley apparently assured her that there were safeguards in place and may or may not have told her that such an action to deprive the president of his ability to protect the country could be construed as a military coup. In fact, the reality is that the U.S. president has sole launch authority over the country's nuclear arsenal. It has been that way since President Harry Truman ordered dropping atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki during World War II. So, Nancy Pelosi notwithstanding, Trump is still legally empowered to order a nuclear attack by America's arsenal of strategic bombers, missile-launching submarines, and land-based intercontinental ballistic missiles. According to the Air Force Nuclear Command Control and Communications, known as NC-3, quote, only the president can authorize the employment of U.S. nuclear weapons, unquote, period. Pelosi then went on to other ways to bring the president down. In her message to the Democrat caucus, she wrote, quote, yesterday, leader Schumer and I placed a call with Vice President Pence, and we still hope to hear from him as soon as possible with a positive answer as to whether he and the cabinet will honor their oath to the Constitution and the American people. She was referring to his ability to declare the president unfit to carry on in his office. This was only days from the end of his presidency. And, of course, we understand now and we know quite clearly that 
Vice President Pence declined to cooperate with Pelosi and made it clear that he had no intention of declaring the president incapable of carrying on. So Nancy's backup plan was to issue articles of impeachment against the president on the grounds of incitement of insurrection, which she did, and we know the results of that. This woman is on a tear and ready to do whatever she can to destroy the president and the country as well, because if she were to be successful, the country would most likely erupt in a civil war that would spell the end of this country as we know it. And that's pretty much what we're facing today, because she did pull off the passage of the Articles of Impeachment. But President Trump is the real hero in this whole scenario, because even as he acknowledged that the Democrats' impeachment efforts were causing him, quote, tremendous anger, unquote, he urged his supporters to remain peaceful. He told them, quote, I want no violence, unquote. And from everything I hear, he really meant it. So now we have the Democrats on the warpath. Let's take a look at the legacy that they have left this country just over the last year. In one year, the left has normalized some of the most draconian and hurtful policies imaginable in a democratic country. For example, they normalized riots burning and looting, and even taking over whole neighborhoods in their own Democrat-run cities. They normalized the mobs that we talked about before, who destroyed whole neighborhoods in Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, in Chicago, New York City, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, and more. These riots were so destructive, they destroyed the hopes and the dreams of so many people, but they were allowed to continue by the Democrats who were responsible for the welfare of these cities. And they allowed these cities to burn in the name of social justice. But where was the social justice for the people who lost their life savings, their life work, the businesses that they had built that were now gone, their livelihoods gone? Nancy Pelosi said, well, they'll do what they'll do. Really? But that was only until the riots appeared to be carried out by supporters of President Trump, whom Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats who follow her hate. And it happened on Nancy Pelosi's turf, her home turf. Can't have that. So then she called it insurrection. And she held the president personally responsible for an impeachable offense. So after years of inciting violence in cities around the country, the Democrat Party is now claiming that Republicans are the violent ones. More projection? Over the last year, the Democrats also normalized defunding the police and allowing thousands of people to demonstrate unmasked while preventing regular people from going to church. And in this year of the China virus, they normalized quarantining for extended lengths of time. Some people in Los Angeles have been quarantining since last summer and earlier. Shutting down small businesses was also normalized, closing our churches, closing schools, and forcing our children to do without formal education for extended periods of time, forcing citizens to wear masks not only in enclosed settings, 
but outdoors in the fresh air where the possibility of contagion is limited. And here's another thing they normalized. Preventing people from going to work and forcing them to lose their jobs and their means of livelihood so they couldn't pay their rent and feed their children. And now they have normalized censorship on private citizens and even on the President of the United States in a new low of tyranny and a power grab by other private citizens in very, very large companies with billions of dollars in their pockets. And this tyranny has been cloaked in lives and half-truths, devoid of any real threatening, dangerous, or unconstitutional language or behavior. And if this isn't checked, it will lead us very quickly into a time when all of our freedoms are gone, when they are always right and we are always wrong. In his book, 1984, George Orwell wrote this. He said, political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable. Unquote. He also showed us a picture of what America will look like 20 years from now if we haven't stopped it. He wrote, quote, every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And that process is continuing Day by day, minute by minute, history has stopped. Nothing exists except the endless present in which the party is always right. Unquote. That's what he thinks our country will look like if we allow this to go on unchecked. The events of this past week have shown us what our future is going to look like if this tyranny is allowed to go forward. Let's talk for a minute about the events that brought all this to a head. It seemed pretty clear at the time, and it is even clearer now, that the Trump rally in Washington on January 6th was infiltrated by Antifa and other radical groups who instigated the intrusion into the Capitol. There weren't only Trump defenders who came to support their president in that half a million man march. There were professional agitators who were paid to come and were bussed into Washington wearing MAGA gear, hats and shirts, and carrying American flags in order to infiltrate the huge crowd and participate in the huge Trump rally for America. Their job was to infiltrate the crowd and then to break into the Capitol building and wreak havoc. And the goal was to lay the blame at the feet of the Trump supporters. It was a huge rally. Some estimates as high as half a million people, and the president spoke to them for nearly half an hour from the ellipse at the south side of the White House. There were people as far as the eye could see. And, you know, here's where it gets really interesting. Because the protesters began pulling down the barricades near the west side of the Capitol at about 1.10 p.m. The president was still speaking then, and the huge crowd that came to see him was still at the ellipse. They weren't at the Capitol. And given the distance and the number of people listening to the speech and the density of the crowd, it would have taken them a long time to move from the White House to the Capitol 
where the barricades were first pulled down. The mob that went into the Capitol was mixed. There were Trump supporters who had come in anger to storm the Capitol, and there were Trump supporters who had no mischief in mind but just got swept up in the crowd and got pulled in with everybody else when they went into the Capitol building. And then there were Antifa activists who came in buses to Washington wearing MAGA gear to infiltrate the crowd and attack the Capitol building. That was their assignment, to do as much damage as they could and, in the words of one of them, quote, make them, meaning Trump supporters, look as bad as possible, unquote. Many of the protesters were dressed in black and wore face masks and helmets. But once inside, they took off the MAGA t-shirts, and underneath were their true colors, Antifa and QAnon and maybe others. We're not peaceful, one of the masked rioters said. They clashed with the police, broke windows, and stole things from the Capitol. So let me make one thing really clear. The Democrats are lying, not surprising, in order to support their claim that Trump incited the violence in the Capitol building. Not only did he not incite the crowd to violence, he specifically referred to peaceful and patriotic when he talked to them about marching down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol. And his supporters, as I said before, have always been peaceful. That has been the most remarkable thing about them. No matter how large the crowd, and they've usually been tens of thousands of people, no matter how long they've been waiting, they have always been peaceful, nonviolent, and orderly. What happened on January 6th was not only uncommon, it was hardly believable. In any case, the crowd at the Capitol was not the crowd that came to hear Trump speak, because he was still speaking when they entered the Capitol. They didn't hear his speech or his expectation for peaceful and patriotic. He didn't incite them. They never heard him. Now here's something really interesting. A recent Rasmussen poll taken after the events of January 6th, and by the way, Rasmussen is one of the most accurate polls around, this poll found President Trump's approval ratings have actually gone up after the Capitol protest. There are still people who believe in President Donald Trump, and with good reason. But the Democrats and some Republicans are continuing to trash him for something he was completely not responsible for. He did not encourage violence. And in fact, as I said before, twice, he did just the opposite. And the people who were attending his speech were peaceful and still listening to him talk when the Capitol was entered by the mob. Trump will be suffering from the liberal socialists for a long time. Not only are the big banks and companies taking funding away from some of the congressmen who supported him, but Trump's own business interests will be impacted by these lies as well. Deutsche Bank AG is one of the other banks that has decided to cut ties with President Donald Trump and his private companies. The funny thing is, President Trump has a, an outstanding loan with Deutsche Bank for $340 million. So they're not going to be cutting ties completely, poor babies. The fact that all of these banks 
and companies have jumped on the let's get Trump bandwagon is despicable. President Trump has not been convicted of anything. And he did nothing. But the banks and the companies and the multi-billionaires have all jumped to the wrong conclusion. They've already painted him with a guilty brush without a shred of evidence ever being heard. It is hard to believe that this is all happening in America. This is not the country I grew up in. And it's not the kind of country that most of us want to be living in. We will be talking a lot more about this right after the break, which is coming up any second. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. My fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. And like us, we're pretty sure you're not happy about any of it. But this is the America we now find ourselves in. AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world. Featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. The list of companies that are refusing to do business with Trump and his followers is growing. On January 11th, before the impeachment fiasco, two more companies joined the list. Stripe, which is a payment processing company, announced that it won't process payments for Trump's campaign because of last week's capital breach. According to Stripe's website, it doesn't allow certain groups of businesses to use its services. That includes any business that, quote, engages in, encourages, promotes, or celebrates unlawful violence or physical harm to persons or property, unquote. Another company, Shopify, took down online stores for both the Trump Organization and the Trump campaign. They released a statement to all their outlets that said, quote, the company does not tolerate actions that incite violence. Based on recent events, we have determined that the actions by President Donald J. Trump violate our acceptable use policy, which prohibits promotion or support of organizations, platforms, or people that threaten or condone violence to further a cause. As a result, we have terminated stores affiliated with President Trump. Unquote. Once again, guilty until proven innocent. And this is happening all over America. Here's another story. Jason Miller is a Trump campaign advisor. On that same Monday, as reported by Epoch Times, he was barred from entering a Washington, D.C.-based studio for an interview with Charles Payne on Fox Business. So why was he barred? They told him that he had been put on a list. Well, it seems there is a list and Senator Joseph McCarthy is alive and well and living in Washington, D.C. A list. Miller got on Twitter. Wow, he said. 
The anti-Trump censorship deep platforming is out of control. Just went to the Live Shot studio in D.C. to join Charles Payne on Fox Business, and the Live Shot's employee told me I'm not allowed to use their studio because, quote, I'm on a list, unquote. Miller said that when he asked what sort of a list he's on and why the studio accepted the booking in the first place, all he was told by Live Shots was that the list was for, quote, health reasons, unquote. Even in these days of the China virus, that is very, very strange. The Live Shot studio is across the street from the Capitol building, and it is in the same building as C-SPAN, Fox, and MSNBC. Got any ideas about why this is happening? Miller told Epoch Times this, and I quote because it's important. Censorship and deplatforming might start with just one person, but if they're willing to do it to the President of the United States, these companies are willing to do it to anybody, especially any of the 75 million Americans who voted for President Trump. Unquote. President Trump has been accused, tried, and found guilty for crimes of which he is not guilty. He has been tried in the illegitimate court of public opinion and petty power politics. This is neither fair, nor just, nor constitutional, but it has been the way of the Democrats since long before Donald Trump was inaugurated on January 20th, 2017. They have never given him a fair trial on any issue, but they have subjected him to constant harassment based on false evidence, lies, and distortion. It is the Democrats who are guilty of crimes against the Constitution by ignoring their proper business and spending huge amounts of time and money to persecute the man in the White House, a man whom they hate, probably for defeating Hillary Clinton in 2016, and certainly for being an outlier and a fierce opponent of the corruption in Washington. Remember, he ran on a platform of drain the swamp, and they hate him for it. Donald Trump has done more for this country and the American people than any president in living memory. But the lack of respect, the lack of appreciation on the part of the left is stunning. They hate him because he broke the code. He was and is an outlier. He didn't obey the rules of the road that have been carefully laid down over the years in Washington to serve the interests of the men and women in our federal legislature. He promised to drain the swamp, the swamp that has been their comfort cushion, that has enriched them for decades. And he went around them in his efforts to serve the American people, which is what he did. It's what he signed up for. It's what he promised to do. While they, on the other hand, lied about him and made up stories, lies, to frame him and bring him down. And now they are lying about his words, which were crystal clear, and saying that they incited insurrection, which they didn't. Those are very strong words, and they are lies. In his book, 1984, George Orwell anticipated this when he wrote, quote, The further a society drifts from the truth, the more they will hate those who speak it, unquote. And they truly hate Donald Trump. And more than that, 
They're willing to tell all manner of lies in order to bring him down. They lied and are lying about what he said and what he did. And so if their lies have been successful, as Orwell also said, the past was erased. The erasure was forgotten. The lie became the truth. Unquote. And that is the goal, my friends, to make the lie become the truth so that the future will be created to match the dystopia that they are trying to create. To quote Orwell one more time, quote, and if all others accept the lie which the party imposed, if all records told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became truth. Who controls the past, ran the party slogan, controls the future. Who controls the present, controls the past, unquote. So what did Donald Trump do that the Democrats want us to forget? The state of our nation was never better than before the China virus hit us. In his first three years in office, Donald Trump improved the lives of ordinary Americans in ways people had thought were impossible. He's good at that. He improved the lives of the poor by reinvigorating manufacturing and creating millions of jobs. He lowered taxes. He raised the standard of living for nearly every American. He improved our trade relations with other countries, even China. Under his administration, the economy grew explosively to unprecedented heights, creating jobs and opportunity and bringing new hope to the people who were formally ignored and humiliated. And once the China virus attacked us, he moved quickly and ensured that new vaccines would be developed and distributed in record time. Donald Trump kept his promises to the American people, and he made America a better place to live. But the Democrats want to erase all of that and recreate the past to match their made-up storyline. So the treatment that he has received at the hands of the Democrats has been brutal and despicable. Honestly, I don't know of another human being who would have taken so much abuse and still would carry on as if everything were just fine. With everything that was going on, he continued his work. He kept making miracles. He held his rallies before tens of thousands of people at every one, and he always appeared relaxed and ready to take on the world. Even the final blow, the fraudulent 2020 elections in which his votes were destroyed, manipulated, flipped to Biden, even that didn't alter his public demeanor. He reached out to his supporters with a relaxed and almost cheerful attitude. In front of his fans, he was in his element. They adore him, and he always sends his appreciation right back to them. He wanted that second term to finish his work and, frankly, to protect the American people from the Democrats' socialist agenda. And we needed him to have that second term. But nobody anticipated the scope of the fraud that the Democrats were willing to perpetrate in order to deprive us all of his second term. They used every trick in the book to turn the election, and they succeeded. And there is no recourse. The Democrats refuse to admit that any fraud in the elections took place. And they further refuse to investigate any charges of fraud. That was expected, I guess. 
But when the courts, even the Supreme Court, refused to hear the evidence, thousands of sworn affidavits from thousands of eyewitnesses and accredited experts, and they threw out case after case on technicalities. That was a shock. The evidence didn't matter. And there was, in the end, no recourse and no justice. So here we are. Now they have succeeded in impeaching him for a second time, once again on made-up charges. The Democrats are triumphant and without any remorse or decency. So how do we move on? How do we accept that a national election for President of the United States was thoroughly perverted by comprehensive fraud and systemic corruption? How do we get through the fact that the Democrat Party is accusing Trump of a crime against democracy when their own crime of stealing an election was a much greater crime against democracy and against the Constitution that protects it? How do we get through that? And how do we get through the fact that our court system has been thoroughly corrupted? and that justice is no longer something we can count on. How do we get through that when we have always believed that our system of justice was fundamentally fair? And now, at the end of 2020, we have found out that the system of justice in the United States is fundamentally flawed. It makes us angry and frustrated And it will take a lot of very hard work to remedy this great, great wrong. President Trump wants us to avoid violence. That may not be completely possible because for some, the rage may be overwhelming. But for those of us who still believe that civilized people don't settle their issues with violence, is there an alternative? I don't have any good answers. But we'll be talking about this a lot in the coming weeks and months. Are we heading for a new civil war? Will the crimes of the Democrats and the disinterest of the courts be too much for some to bear? Will the rage and frustration boil over into open conflict? Or is there a better way? These are important questions, and answers need to be found. In case you had any doubt, I believe in Donald Trump. I believe that what he did for this country could never have been done by anyone else, and that the harassment that he took while he was in office was unconscionable and cruel. In my book, the Democrats have a great deal to answer for. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. There was a story that I got in my email on Thursday morning from a site called Real Raw News. Now, I can't vouch for the source. I can't vouch for the story, which came anonymously, of course. And I can't vouch for the details of the story. But even if it's an exaggeration or even if it's completely made up, I love it because it expresses what many of us feel. So here it is. We know that the FBI has issued a bulletin warning about the possibility of armed protests at state capitals around the country in the days that are leading up to the planned inauguration of Joe Biden. 
So Nancy Pelosi, according to this story, is worried about Washington, D.C. So according to the story, she contacted General David Berger, who is Commandant of the United States Marine Corps. She contacted him late Monday night, and she asked him to commit 5,000 troops to help ensure a peaceful transition of power and to prevent a repeat of the January 6th siege on the Capitol. Now keep in mind that Washington already has 15,000 National Guard troops on the ground in D.C., which is three times the number of our troops that we now have in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. But Pelosi wanted more. According to this story, she wanted battle-ready reinforcements in order to combat the, quote, radicalized Trump supporters and kooky QAnon conspiracy people, unquote, who she thought were about to converge on D.C. According to the story, she told the general that it was his patriotic duty to quell uprisings and guarantee that Biden would be able to be sworn in on the 20th. And General Berger said, according to the story, Quote, don't lecture me on patriotism, Madam Speaker. I've served this country with distinction for 40 years. I've spilled blood for our nation. What have you, a self-serving elected official, done for your country? Unquote. And when Pelosi told him he was answerable to Congress, he told her, quote, I answer only to the president. And as I understand it, Donald J. Trump is still president and commander in chief. I abide by the Constitution as it is written, not your interpretation of it, unquote. She said, but you have the best trained soldiers in the world and America needs them, unquote. General Berger responded that the only way the Marines would be deployed was if President Trump himself issued the order. If you want us to help combat his supporters, I suggest you get him on the phone and tell him that. If he orders me to, I will. Otherwise, I suggest you listen real hard to your own words because they're tantamount to treason. We don't work for you, unquote. Now, as I said before, I can't assure you that this conversation ever took place, but it's a hell of a story and one I thought you would enjoy. We're in a dark time, my friends, and what happens over the next few weeks and months will determine the direction our nation will take. It's good to know that there are still patriots in this country. But there is also rage and frustration. The weekend before January 20th may see a new face of the Americans who have obeyed the law, played by the rules, and lost an election through fraud and corruption. I know those are fighting words, but they're true. So for my listeners, I join the president, our president, Donald Trump, who will continue to be our president until January 20th. And I urge you to continue your fight but peacefully and through channels that will achieve your goals without destroying everything that America stands for. Remember the words of Patrick Henry and let them guide you. He said, The Constitution is not an instrument for the government to restrain the people. It is an instrument for the people to restrain the government, lest it come to dominate our lives and interests. Well, we're at the end of our hour, and I thank you for sharing it with me. You've been listening to the news magazine on the America Out Loud Network. I'm Alana Friedman, and this has been The Friedman Report.